We're going to be back in 1 John again and kind of picked up, pick up where we left off. But we're going to see an aspect now tonight uh, centering in on the results of being loved by the living God. What does that look like? What does that translate out into the real world? And yeah, you know, and I think I grew up with John 3.16 right at the beginning, you know, of, I was almost born in church, one of those kind of deals. But you know, understanding the love of God and the mercy of God and assimilate that into our character, that's a whole other dimension. And it's an ever-increasing dimension. And that's why I've asked the Lord multiple times and a lot again this, this past week, what is fullness? Out of his fullness, we've all received. And we're going to look a little bit more of that. So I'll give you just a little more insight in some of the things that we're learning on a continuum. So I've called this Faith uh, 332, Faith Working Through Love, Part 2. And we saw last week love as a noun, as a person. His name is Jesus. He's also the Father, and it's also the Holy Spirit. They're, they're all together teaching us and growing us into what they are. There's impartation that takes place. And to me, that's been an amazing uh, dimension itself. Then there's also love as a verb, action by the person of our God and teaching us how to walk in that. Faith is becoming more and more of an imperative all the time. Um, we look at our world is coming undone around us. And the ability to hear God, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me, is more and more of an imperative every day. The other part of that is being able to hear together. And I think there's, you know, I think I shared this probably last week too, I share it often. The Lord said this to me a couple of months ago. He said, you know, there's a lot of people that have, want to have a relationship with me. They're not interested particularly in having a relationship with my body. And he said very clearly, that will not fly. So the area of dependence on each other and learning together and bringing your part, I think I said that pretty strongly last week and I don't apologize for that. You have something to bring that no one else on the planet can bring. Even if you have similar gifting to another person, you're hardwired differently. And I always tell people that when we're in prayer together, if somebody prayed out what you were fixing to pray, pray it again. Number one, it's a confirming word to the, the person that prayed first, but it'll always come out differently. It multiplies and it grows in that area. So it's, it's such a, a powerful area of learning to partner together in the place of prayer. So, <clears throat> simple definition of faith. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the not seen part that we have a problem with. That's where we struggle because the intellect needs to know. The, your soul, man or woman, is an information gatherer and it likes information. And so there's a cumulative information, but faith doesn't come in your brains. Faith comes in your spirit, man or woman, on the inside of you. That's the part that gets born again. That's the part that needs to be fed by the word of God as well. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found and I did eat them. 
and they become to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Every time I quote that scripture, I'm back with Doug Shepard 48 years ago out at City Beach, and I Doug read that scripture to me, and I said, where's that word, Doug? I want that word. Now, Rick and I argue about that. Whose word is that? And it's mine because I'm older. <laughs> that's, that's what makes a difference in that area. We, we say that in jest, but there is something of ingesting the word of God, allowing the word to feed your spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But we can have understanding of the written word of God, but the Holy Spirit gives us revelation of it so it becomes part of us. In Ephesians 1, this is all for free, by the way. This isn't in my notes tonight, but Ephesians 1 uh, was what I taught, was taught to pray to begin with. Paul says, I pray that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him by having the eyes of your understanding open and your heart flooded with light into the deep and the intimate knowledge of God. There is a vast difference between knowledge and information and a revelation of that that given by the Spirit of God. We're going to talk more about the Spirit of God tonight. And every time I study it, just it's such an imperative that until the Spirit of God reveals these things to it, pardon us, you ain't got it yet. It's not bad English, it's not good English, but it says what I want to say. So the partaking of this and being able to enter into that. Um, 2 Peter 1, uh, Peter says, it's through the exceedingly great and precious promises that we become a partaker of divine nature. I probably used this last week as well. Partaker is a huge word to me. Comes a part at a time, but you have to take your part. And then you need to function in the part that he's given you as well. It's supernatural. See, the natural man does not comprehend the things of the Spirit of God. He's incapable of it. But the Spirit of God reveals and enlightens us and empowers us to be able to carry out things uh, that you can't get any other way. So faith is an imperative, and faith works by love. It's energized by it. And then we, and we had the word through. It's dia. And I'll give you a couple examples of this. It's because of, on account of, and by reason of. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace or because of grace, you have been saved through faith or by reason of faith. And then the thing in Galatians 5.6, that's what we used last week in uh, working by the love and the mercy of God. So go with me to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to, read down through this thing and share some of the, of, of the insights that John has for us. See, I preach myself happy and thirsty already. Um, we're going to start with verse 7. I know we went down through verse 16 last week, but this bears repeating again. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Kenneth Weiss says that God is the source of love. He's the one, is the essence of that. Now, the opening phrase here, beloved, let us love one another. 
This, I believe, is where the Lord wants to center in tonight the understanding of what an imperative it is to love one another. And we're going to look more at that as, as we walk down through this. And I think it takes about as much faith to authentic love another person as just about anything. Now, well, we said, well, I love people in that area. Yeah, you probably do until they've got a different opinion than you do. And then all of a sudden, it's more difficult to love one another. And the enemy has sown a lot of strife and division. James says we're envy and strife as there's confusion in every evil work. This is one of the reasons I think we've got so many denominations because things have caused church splits and divisions and everything else because we haven't worked it out. We have not loved one another. There's a price that's got to be paid with this kind of thing in, in order to be able to walk in the light together. John says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And sometimes I'm the one that's got a problem in that area, but I get offended. When we get offended, the heart closes off. It's an involuntary response. There's a lot of wounded people, and, you know, I'm not going to go and ask you questions in, in this dimension, but I'll tell you what, most of us have been more wounded sometimes in the church house than we have out in the world. And that's a sad commentary. But the love of God is what heals and restores that and sets that back in order. So the wound can be addressed. Isaiah says it really well. He said, there's no soundness from the crown of the head to the sole of the foot because a wound has not been pressed out nor anointed with oil. There's no closure. And things have been rammed in our guts for a long time and we've said they're okay, but we've, there's toxicity in there and there's pain and there's hurt. And a lot of the times we have sideways behavior that comes out that's totally unrelated to the circumstance that's happening because the wound has not been addressed. There's one thing we, reason why we always have prayer available. You don't need to go into detail. Sometimes you just got pain that needs to be addressed. Somebody needs to come alongside and care that you hurt. And I think there's a lot of times these things go unreceived because we don't have the courage to ask. And I've been in this ministry for a lot of years in prayer ministry, and we've had the altars open here, and there's a lot of times people leave the way they came. But they need to be addressed, and we need to admit. And again, details aren't the issue. The pain's the issue. These paddles at the end of our arms are there for a reason. We lay hands on people. We lift things off. We break the power of things, and we release the anointing of God to set people free. That's why Jesus came to open the door of the prison house of those that are bound and let the oppressed go free. And he came to heal the brokenhearted. I'm totally off my notes now and I don't even care. My picture of a broken heart is a funnel. You pour in resource or love or grace or whatever else and it runs right on through. The love of God has the capacity to close a funnel and it becomes a reservoir so there's enough to live off, and then there's more enough to give away as well. Now, I think a lot of people have not been able to step into the gift and calling that God has, has called you to. Some of you know that you've been called to do something, but you just are bearing either so much pain or you're offended or your heart's closed off or whatever is in that dimension that needs to be addressed. And the body, this is why we need to do it together. We need to help each other. We need to walk in the light 
and we need to admit we need some help. Now, you ladies are a whole lot better than us than males. We're, we don't need any help. You know, we fix things. We bring solutions and et cetera. And we, we suck it up and, and we go forward with that. Well, I'll tell you what, men need it just as much as ladies do. And it's time we begin to embrace some of these things and we care for each other. See, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that all the members should have the same care one for the other. We need to value what he values. He died for people. And sometimes we get an aspect of the people that are up front here are the important ones. Everybody's important. If you breathe, you are important to God. And I really believe that these are things that the love of God wants to, he wants to minister to you. He loves us. See, the love call is always the same. It's in, in Matthew 11. Well, I'm going to back up to verse 25. It says, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and you've revealed them to babes. Jesus told the boys, except you become like a little child, you can't even enter the kingdom because they're jockeying for position to see which one of them is the greatest. Then he says, you come to me when you're overburdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Here's the key. Learn from me. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your souls. Well, this takes me a lot of years back. When I was ordained, I had a logger pastor from Forks pray over me. And he gave me a word out of Jeremiah 6. And it, the word is, you've healed the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And that's what we've done a lot of times We've said it's okay, or we've patted people on the head and, and prayed a, a prayer and then released them. And one of the things he said to me so strong, he was in my face. He said, listen, if you're going to minister to people, he said, it's going to cost you. There's a, a price to be paid in that area. and You're going to have to walk this out. It's going to take your time and your energy. But he said, this is what's worth, this is what the kingdom is all about, is caring for broken people and assist them into a, into a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you can memorize scripture and you can do all kinds of things. You can come and sit in straight rows and look back on another's heads. That's not ministry. Ministry is being face-to-face -face and caring about broken-hearted people and assist them into a place that's truly redemptive. He's a redeemer. You know, I shared this somewhere today, and I don't even remember where it was. But I remember Rick saying this in the barn. Some of you are barn folk, you know, been, Tom and Jackie, you guys are barn folk, and Larissa and Jake's been barn guy as well. But he said this, you know, God's heart beats with redemption, redemption, redemption. He's a redeemer. He redeems our life from destruction. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you could have life above abundance. It's super abundance. Well, we haven't begun to take hold of yet of what is available and being able to, to step into the fullness. Once, see, 
This is another old lesson. You can't give away what you don't have. So first you have to be a receiver of the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. It, it grows on the inside of you and it, it heals and restores us. And then we have the capacity to help others also, to be able to love one another. You know, th this is all over John's gospel and it's all over 1 John as well. We got one verse in. So we got to start. But beloved, let us love one another. The little word let is huge. Allow, permit, set it in motion, do something with that. Verse 8 The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is our, our noun again. This is who he is. He doesn't just do love, he is love. The source of that. By this, the love of God was manifest in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Dia, that's area. It's that faith works through love. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So kind of a, Big word, but it, it's simply satisfaction or complete cleansing. It's, it's a thoroughness in that area. My term for propitiation is being saved some more. It's ongoing, continuous action of something supernatural. But it's complete removal of all of our sins. That's what love does. See, love has a capacity to encapsulate sin. And when you have been wounded in your spirit, particularly when you've been learned wounded by people you trust, there's an involuntary response. Your heart closes off. It isn't a hardness of heart in rebellion. It's an area of protection. It, it's, it's closing off in that I don't want to be hurt anymore. I'm done with this. And so sometimes we just end up leaving because we haven't pressed in and addressed the issue, haven't walked in the light. But even as we walk in the light, there's a surrender to the wound. One of the things that I always did when my kids were little, they'd kept, get a sliver in their hand, and I said, okay, now let me, let me address that. Immediately they hide that thing. They, don't, they want me touching that and getting anywhere close to it. So I would always tell them, now, you don't have to look. You look the other way. And I said, I'll get my knife out and work that thing out and, and remove that for you. Oh, I don't know. I had to talk them down. Now, I love you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to cut you. Just get this sorry splinter out of that thing. So I said, okay, now you look the other way. And then I'd work on, on the finger where they look. I said, oh, it's out. Out? Really? They couldn't believe it. It was out already, you see. Because the focus was on the pain and the, what the fear of the pain would be. And we do the same thing as adults in that area. So we don't allow anyone to be able to come close to touch the pain and the brokenness that's there because it's toxic. A sliver uh, one of my carpenter friends taught me this. He says, you need to address the sliver immediately because if you don't, it will fester in there and you'll get infected in that thing. That's the same thing that happens with a wound in your spirit. You close the thing off and the enemy loves that area because then the toxicity grows on the inside. And then pretty soon we got a whole other worse issue because the wound produces a distorted image of God. That's why he says, come here now, let me love you. Bring, 
And he said this to me a number of times. He says, take your dirty laundry, let's throw it in the floor, let's sort through this together. There's no condemnation. There never is with him. It's always, bring your stuff, let's deal with this. And then if there's junk in my life, particularly stuff that's my fault in that area, he said, let me have that and I'll give you my grace. And I said, I think I need the grace first. He said, no, no, no. He said, you need to give that up because your focus is on that area right now. Then it becomes idolatrous. You need to exchange this. And then he said, he calls it divine exchange. He gets my rubbish and I get his grace. That's not a fair deal at all. But that's the heart and the compassion of our God. Give me this thing that's hurt and wounded you in that area. Because left unattended, it will destroy you. That is the ploy of the enemy. So we need to learn how to be able to care for each other and how to walk these things out. Verse 11. Here it goes again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Sometimes oughts and shoulds are necessary in that dimension of beginning to see there needs to be a response to being loved is being able to love someone else and help them find their portion. That's what Louis Lee was telling me, I guarantee you. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Now I'm going to enlarge on that a little bit too, but let's look what Jesus had to say to the boys and us by extension. Go with me to John chapter 13. And I mentioned this earlier, but you know, the boys, you know, men do this all the time. They jockey for position. And we need to know that we're cool. We've got a place in this. And they were always wondering which one of them was the greatest. Well, that's why he said, you know, except you become like a little child, you can't get in on this. And then they're walking down the road and they come in the house and Jesus said, what were you boys talking about on the road? And they didn't want to talk about it because they'd been into that thing again. But there's that whole area of understanding, you know, and, and what Jesus said to the boys at one point, he said, listen, the, the one that wants to be greatest has got to be servant of all. And see, that's what we're doing with all of these, this teaching on faith. We're having to learn how to serve one another, how to be able to utilize what he's given to us and give it away. See, the things of the kingdom, uh, they don't stockpile well. It's kind of like the manna they tried to do in the wilderness. You know, it went south. If you want to keep this, you've got to give it away. There needs to be a flow in and a flow out. First, you have to receive. Then you'll be able to give away what he's given to us. Okay, John chapter 13. This is another one of those. Uh, John's gospel doesn't tell us, but in, in Luke's gospel, they were having another discussion about which one was the greatest. And so Jesus washed their feet. The most menial task of, of a household servant was washing feet. And they're all gathered there and nobody washed feet. 
So Jesus did. And then right after that, he, he had said, uh, you know what I've done to you? This is what I want you to do. So here it goes. Verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, so that you also, excuse me, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. Somewhere along the line, there's got to be a demonstration of what he's worked in our hearts. So go with me to chapter 14 now. And I'm going to pick up with verse 15. And we just read at the end of verse 13 in 1 John there that he gave us of his spirit. And I believe that for authentically moving in the love of God and receiving the love of God, it requires a revelation by the Holy Spirit, what that's supposed to look like, how to be able to enter into it, and how to participate with it. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what's the commandment? We just a new commandment I give you that you love one another. And he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The word another there is alos. It's one of the same kind or of equal value, just like me. Another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. There's three prepositions that we use in talking about the Holy Spirit. It's with and upon. With, in, and upon. I said that a little fast. With you before you get saved, he comes in you when you're born again and comes upon you to be able to carry out what he's called you to do and how to be able to enter into that by the grace of God. Then he says, verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. How does that work? I do not have a clue how it does. I just know it does because I've experienced it. The life of God has come to bear in us and establish that it's impartation of something supernatural. It's divine. So the logical mind, you know, he says... Um, back up here. Because I live, you will live also. That says, I will come to you. I will come to you. Well, I thought the Holy Spirit was going to come to us. Yeah, it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of our Father. They're all the same. Come in different dimensions in that. Then, verse 21, and he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is <coughs> who loves me, and he will who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. Verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Okay, chapter 15, um, starting with verse 12. You see, Jesus is a, a good repeater as well. John does that. He learned that from Jesus. It's one of my mentors. 
said to me a lot of years ago, he says, a good teacher is a repeater. I'm going to say this to you boys a lot of times. And so the understanding of having to love each other, you know, they need to hear that. Actually, they didn't really function all that well until after Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit came on the boys. That changed everything. Changed their whole perspective of one another. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Verse 17, this I command you, that you love one another. So there's a, a dimension of this, of getting a, a truth over to us that goes down to the very core of our being. Okay, back to 1 John. <clears throat> Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that God has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know, Genesco, this is our word again, come to know with experiential knowledge and have believed, this is where faith comes, there's an impartation of faith to us to be able to believe this thing because it's about his character. He has spoken these things to us again and again to be able to take hold of it. God is love, and the one that abides in God abides, um, abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in him. There's the same thing there that we read over in uh, the Gospel of John. Verse 17, by this... Love is perfected in us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Perfected is an in interesting word. And I grew up with a distorted understanding of that that happened to me in the sixth grade. And I had an interesting teacher in that time frame, and he was very concerned about doing math, particularly in, with speed. So his rule was that the first four that completed their assignment got 100%. And the rest of us, slow, it just kind of went on down the line. And... It gave me a distorted image of, of being perfect. See, if I can have all the right answers, but I still might end up with a 50 or a 60 in, in the score in, in that gentleman's interesting procedure. And so perfection is always something that was elusive to me. And so this whole area of trying to be perfect or do it right or not make a mistake, I'm a perfectionist and sometimes I hate it. In our desk, I got a nice... We have a nice oak desk. And the drawer on the thing has got a little chip on the corner of it. I can look at the whole desk and I see the stupid little mar on the corner of it. And so perfection is something we're always trying to do it right. So this next part of the teaching, you have to have a revelation that you are perfect if you are in Christ Jesus. Now, our track record, you look at your track record, you look at mine and say, well, I don't know if there's any perfection in that. 
No, because I'm in Christ. That comes, he have come to know and believe that it's true for me. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute because if, we, if you don't get anything else tonight, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have been redeemed. And I'm going to verify this thing and walk this thing through because when you get that revelation in that area, then you are receptive for all the other things that God has. But if this fundamental truth isn't yours, you ain't got it again. Sorry for the language in that dimension, but this is so incredibly important. You know that you know that you know it's yours. You own it. I've had theological information in a lot of these things over years, but a revelation comes, it's like day and night from the information. Man, I could get off on that thing. See, that religious spirit always wants to bring us from grace back into works. You know your works, like mine, just stink? They just do. But when we're in Christ Jesus in a revelation that these things are covered and we're redeemed by his blood, then it becomes real. Up until that time, you just got the knowledge of this thing. The word perfected is to carry through completely to finish, to consummate, reaching the end stage of working through the entire process. Becoming is a continuum. I was saved 48 years ago, and I'm being saved tonight more. I'm being refreshed by my own, my own verbiage tonight because I really believe this stuff. And there was a long time I had the information and I could quote these things and etc. But I didn't have it revealed in my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is imperative with this. So, one of my mentors by extension was Chuck Smith because my mentor listened to Chuck Smith on a regular basis. He said, listen to me. He said, if I'm listening to Chuck Smith, don't call me, don't come to the house, don't bother me. Now, I don't exalt Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith is in heaven right now, but he was an incredible expository teacher. And it's where Rick has learned so many things from Chuck. And most all of us that have had any of Chuck's teaching, the simplicity of it and walking through it has is, is just been a gift of God. So this is what Chuck says. Not because I'm perfect, but because I'm perfect in him, complete in our Lord, the Bible says all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ and you and I are perfect, complete in him. Only the grace of God can do this for us. This is supernatural revelation. So go to the book of Colossians and we'll see where Chuck got that. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to pick up with verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, there's our in him again, and established in your faith as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, 
according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Now, one of the reasons Paul wrote the book of Galatians is because the Judaizers were saying, listen, it's great that you, you get Jesus, but you've got to be circumcised. And Paul says, listen, if you take on circumcision, then you've got to take the whole law and you've fallen from grace. This is incredible because it always draws us back into some dimension of works. Check this out. You'll see more of this a little further on. In him, or in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. This is the revelation, again, of a work of grace in us. He has done for us that which we can never do. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law perfectly. He didn't come to annul the law. He came to fulfill it. Verse 11, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision without hands. And in the removal of the body of flesh, the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you have now been raised up with him through faith. There's our word again, through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, see, remember we talk about the flesh? We got to stop and talk about that for a second. We're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Now, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion, and your body is just the earth suit that you live in, and it's got an appetite as well. Your spirit is the part that is regenerated, that's born again. But the flesh wants what it wants. It has an appetite of its own. Those are the things that we still struggle with. See, our pendulum that swings back and forth between soul and spirit. Two against one will always win. So if my soul man wanders over toward my flesh, it drags my born again spirit in places it doesn't want to go. But when it swings over to my spirit, man, it makes my flesh do things it doesn't want to do. That's why the renewing of the mind is incredibly important with that. That's another teaching all by itself. Verse 13, and when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He made you alive. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your transgressions, our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which were hostile to us and taken it all out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. Notice verse 15, and when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, him Jesus, and in it the cross. There's a putting to death the power of sin, the threat of sin, the accusation, all of those things that undermine the credibility of grace. And then we slip back into performance again. Now there is works to do. I don't want to minimize that part of it. There is an area of putting things to death in us. The number one thing to defeat sin in your life or attitudes, etc., is repentance. 
we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we don't excuse things. God doesn't excuse sin. He said, no, this is sin. This is wrong. This is an abomination. Let's deal with this. And then it's been broken. See, there's a lot of times people confess sin, but they don't receive forgiveness. That's our Lombano word, accept forgiveness and cleansing. This is where the workings of the Spirit of God cleanse us. It changes the appetite. The will is given over to the will of God rather than the will of my flesh. That sorry pendulum needs to be anchored to your spirit by the Holy Spirit, and then it changes the want to. Because that's what he said to me. Less when I get your want to, that's when the process actually begins. Up until that time, you're just blowing smoke to me. We got to get real. And he's made me do that again and again. Don't tell me you want to do this when you don't. But I said, but I do. And he said, no, you don't. He said, watch where your feet go. Why don't you ask me to create in you power and desire, both to will and to do for my good pleasure rather than yours? That changes everything. I said, I know I don't want to do this. I just don't. He said, good. Now we can work with that. Come here. I love you. Let me impart you. I've given you a helper. Take a hold of this. Look at my word. What have I promised in my word? Do you believe that or not? Well, yeah, I think I do. He said, no, no, no. He said, you don't. Come and let me put faith in you. He says, you've given mental assent to a whole lot more than what you believe. But when there's an impartation of his, see, Jesus authors and he finishes faith. He doesn't just, see, he began a good work within you. will see it to a conclusion, conclusion, even to the day of Jesus Christ. So, okay, Jesus, I got it. And I said, no, you don't. You need me all the time. And I say, oh yeah, I guess I do, don't I? Because I've been leading into my own understanding. Okay. Uh, oh, we're in Colossians. Go down to chapter three. Let's pick up a couple more here. Colossians 3, starting with verse 1. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you have died and your life, amplify this, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is, you know, it just gets bigger as, as you go through this. And Paul wants to, to really impact us with this thing because we all have a propensity to go back to works and try to clean our act up rather than being able to receive it from him. Okay, over to Romans. Mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. You know, I, I really love this. Paul says there in verse 18, he says, I know that nothing good dwells in me. Boy, can I relate to that one. 
that is in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. He says, I want to do the right thing, I just don't. Now, what's up with that? He says, who's going to set me free? Verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God. On the other, with my flesh, the law. See, he had a pendulum also that he was struggling with. But you got to go right on to chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. I've got that highlighted and circled. God did something. When you take hold of what God did rather than you did, whatever. That's just not going to fly. But the revelation of that and the embracing of that is huge. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the requirements of the law that we've been trying to fill and that the boys were saying you got to be circumcised and keep the law and everything else. He said, no, no, no. Might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So there's our word things again, Jake. Lots of things in there we need to discover. Remember we read in Colossians to set your mind this one says for the, verse 6, the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. I've got written in the margin, my Bible takes work to set your mind. Because there's a struggle with the flesh, the ascendancy, this pendulum that wants to pull us back into flesh effort. Now, there are things that need to be changed in our life. Don't minimize that for a moment. But your effort by yourself without the helper and without the word of God, his promises and his power is flesh effort. But when we utilize, and see, this is so many times where we're struggling with an issue that we need to have someone pray with us for. Being able to partner in this thing. This is where I'm struggling. I don't know what to do with this. I keep going back to this sorry thing again and again. Would you, would you help me? Would you pray for me? See, James says the continued heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Continued prayer. You labor for these things. Paul says, I'm in travail. I'm in birthing labor until Christ be formed in you so that we may present him a man complete in, in, in Christ. It's a continuum. It's a process. We're walking these things out. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But it's also the area of laboring together to see these things established with strength. And I think those are the things that sometimes we miss in that area because we say it's okay when we intuitively know it's not. Verse 7, 
Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. The natural man does not comprehend the things of the Spirit of God. He's incapable of it. But those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There's no faith in that. Um, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal body through his Spirit who indwells you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. And if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you, by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Back to 1 John. <clears throat> Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected or completed in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And here it goes again. In this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. This is again the supernatural power of the love that changes our attitude toward one another even when they offend you. You put any two people in a room by themselves for a season, they're going to offend one another sooner or later. That's just part of human nature. And I think those are areas where we begin to walk in the light and we begin to see the person as they could be rather than they are. And sometimes I got the problem. Need an attitude adjustment. See, in, in Philippians uh, 2, it's, it says that... Um, let me back up here for a second. Um, have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And the verse before it says, don't look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's a work of grace. This is where we need to be able to draw on his love and his mercy and how to be able to walk those things out. I said this at the, be at the beginning, and I'm going to say this again. Uh, we do pretty well loving one another until... They have a different opinion than what we do. And then we have to work through some stuff. That can be political things. Some people believe in a rapture, some don't. There's just all kinds of things that we can get in strife and division over pretty easily. Enemy loves that. 
James says, where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. The enemy, if he can sow a little strife or division in any situation, he virtually has to do nothing else. We self-destruct in the process. Then he laughs at us. Oh, got you again, sucker. No, we have to come into a place where we walk in the light and we care more about the other person than winning the argument or the debate in that area. We're looking for what's really good in this. So let's look at a couple of things with this and we'll, we'll land this somewhere. Again, this is Costco taste stuff. You know, I, I say that every time because I want you, you know, you go to Costco and some of this stuff, they have these samples in that and you go, oh, I don't think so. That isn't good. And I was like, ooh, where is that? I want that. That's what I'm hoping to see into you, these, this understanding of what it means to be complete in Christ Jesus, that your sin has been covered. Now, we've got stuff that needs to be done. This is where you need the helper to be able to help you do anything in your life. You know, I learned an awful lot of this walking in the Spirit at a car dealership. It's not the easiest place to be a Christian, I can guarantee you. But you know, the Spirit of God began to teach me how to function with people, how to repair automobiles under his tutelage, as opposed to what, what I had. And I was half decent in my trade, at least. I, was, you know, I, I knew a bit what I was doing. But he showed me things you can't learn any other way. It's got to work in the real world. So where you are in your marriage, in your family, as a parent, as a child, or in, in the schoolhouse, it doesn't matter. He knows more about what you need to know than you do. And if you will ask him, he will help you, teach you how to be able to walk. That's why I always use John 14, 26. When the spirit of truth has come, he will teach you about all things and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I've already said to you. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I mean, this I just totally believe that because I've watched it happen. And you begin to see things and figure things out. Give him the credit for it. It's not your light and fast mind. Thank him for reminding you to shut the water off when you forgot to turn the sprinkler off. It doesn't matter what it is. Interact with him and allow him to teach you how to walk by the spirit so that you do not fulfill the desire of your flesh. Life will go better for you. Or I'll give you money back. You know, it's just, it's just God. Okay, Matthew chapter 5. Somewhere along the line, there's got to be measurable results of this. Some of this is going to poke you a little as it did me. So, you know, if I got poked, you might as well too. You know, you think John is really straightforward. Jesus is really straightforward. This is where he learned it. John, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. He says, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come make your offering. This is really straightforward stuff. See? 
just take that a step further, uh, Mark eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus says this. He says, uh, when, not if, when you stand praying, forgive, leave it, let it go, let it drop. For if you from your heart do not forgive those who have trespassed against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses, we could say, of holding unforgiveness. Unforgiveness has got death attached to it. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. I mean, it's just dumb. It's, it's got, see, Matthew 18, Jesus taught this parable about the fellow that had been forgiven the insurmountable debt. Then he had his fellow servant by the throat for 20 bucks. I used that at the dealership one time. The guy that was working the desk next to me, both of us were service advisors at the time. And we had made covenant together that if one of us were grumpy with somebody else, the other one would say, hmm, 20 bucks, huh? Oh, okay, yeah. And we helped each other. We were able to shut down an attitude that needed to be adjusted at that point in time with that simple phrase, 20 bucks. The forgiveness that we have, we need to extend. This is huge. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're looking at results of being loved. Peter gets some interesting press from time to time, but man, I so relate to Peter. But boy, I'll tell you what, Peter got after Pentecost and the Spirit of God came on him. Oh man, he's, he's a different person altogether. Incredibly straightforward. Verse 7 of chapter 4, 1 Peter. The end of all things is at hand. Do you think? I mean, this is 2,000 years ago, probably in, in that area. And if it was then, you know, wow. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. You know, just take a pause there for a second. In um, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love takes no account of a suffered wrong. That's covering somebody else's. When they sin against you, this is where forgiveness comes in, breaks the power of it, doesn't have the authority over it. What, we're not saying what they did was right. That's just silliness. No, we say what they did was wrong and it hurt, but we forgive them and release them. How you package dialogue with another person in restoring understanding in this is incredibly huge. I'm just telling you from experience, don't do it before you pray because the timing of the event is as important as the event itself. You pray and allow the Spirit of God to begin to soften the your heart first and then their heart and you come together under the tutelage of the spirit of God and this thing is broken in the spirit realm it does not have authority any longer but you've got to you've got to labor through that until your heart lets go and you're not angry anymore you go in anger they'll know it there'll be an edge to your voice and I've, I've done this thing both ways if there's a way to do it wrong I've done it multiple times but I have learned this area when I don't need to make my point anymore, then I'm getting to the point where I'm about ready. Because my heart lets go and faith comes. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Don't do it prematurely. You wrestle through till faith comes in your heart. Then you're able to speak a word in season to a weary one because they're carrying pain as well. Uh, verse 9, <clears throat> be hospitable to one another without complaint. No grumbling in your tent. As each one, key word, got that circle big time. Each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's what it looks like. Use the gifting that God's called you to, whatever that is. Whoever speaks, let him speak as a worthy utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. That ends the jockeying for position anymore, see? Um, I love telling this story. There was a little, he called himself a little brown man. He's from South Africa. He said he's about four foot tall walked in incredible anointing of God, raised a few people from the dead. There isn't a whole lot of people who have had that dimension. And his name was Duma. And they said, Duma, when people want to give you the credit for what God's doing, what do you do? He said, he just ducks me head and lets the glory go to Jesus. I've adopted that from time to time. Sometimes, you know, they want to compliment you because of the gifting or the anointing that God's on, had on your life or any of that area. Just duck your head and let Jesus have the glory for that thing. You don't have to blow it off. You can, you can receive that dimension, but knowing that it's not your fault, it's Jesus did something. That'll release power in your life. It'll make more opportunity for that because this stupid pride, you start believing what people say about you, it's got death attached to it. And I've had to learn this a long time ago. When people put you on a pedestal, jump off of it and kick it over. Give him the glory. Give him place in this thing because this is so subtle because it feels really good to be used by the Holy Spirit. And to be able to bring a word in season, to bring a scripture at a proper time in that area. This is what he's got in mind for all of us to begin to do. Something strikes your heart in your, in your reading in that area. Ask the Lord, what do I do with this? I have had this countless times happen to me where he'll give me a scripture and it, I'll use it three or four times. Same scripture, totally different context with people. But the word, the entrance of his word brings light. One of the translations is the unfolding of his word. So as you give the word of God away, it grows on the inside of you. It changes and transforms us. Okay, in case you haven't got poked good enough yet, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. These are again results we're looking at how to be able to conduct ourselves. First Thessalonians chapter 5 we're going to start with verse 14 he says and we urge you brethren admonish the unruly encourage the faint hearted help the weak 
Be patient with all men. That all is huge right there because we can be patient. I can be patient with Jake most of the time. But some other people sometimes, oh my word. You know, that's another story. Those are the things that stretch us. I call that road test in your faith. Check it out. How does this work? See, no one repays another for evil for evil, but always seek that which is good for one another and for all, all men. There it is, another all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. I need to give you verse 24 in the Amplified. And it says, faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy. And he also will do it, that is, fulfill his call to you by hallowing and keeping you. God has done something that we need to take full advantage of and being able to embrace this and to be able to walk in the power of the anointing of God. Ephesians, you know I'm going to get to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll pick up a few verses here and then we're done. <clears throat> the result of being loved is being able to deal with these flesh issues by the power of God and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 22 of Ephesians 4. <clears throat> That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has, his key word, created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Corresponding verse to that is in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Verse 12 says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sounds like works. Verse 13 in the Amplified says it really clear. Not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work within you. Again, creating power and desire. Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Not just yours. His good pleasure. When a man's ways please the Lord, he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. This is an amazing gift that's been given. Verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Ufta. But only a word such as is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, redemption, redemption, redemption just goes on and on. Let, key word, let, permit, allow all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. This is what grace looks like, manifest. This is what salvation is on a continuum, how it grows and increases. We become to know and understand, not by information only, but by revelation, and we believe this and receive that. And that's the heart cry of the Father. Would you come? Would you come now? Come as you are, not as you ought to be. And allow him to produce in you that which he has paid for with his precious blood so that we can walk in freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, it's for freedom that Christ Jesus makes you free. So keep standing firm and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Do not allow works to override grace. We're saved by grace plus nothing. Now there's the area of, there is a work that grace does in us that's why he says, no, unless that's in your heart, let me have that. And we have divine exchange. This is the process. And he said this to me years ago. He says, whatever process I have you in, he said, I want you to stay in that process until we're finished and then we'll move on. Because as soon as we get through this process, I just have another one for you. And it's always predicated in his love and his grace and his mercy. But if I will not do what he instructs me to do while I'm in that process, Sometimes, like Israel, we need to make another lap around the mountain. That was not a good scene. But graciously, he makes me go through it again until I'm ready to let this thing go. The let is huge. And then he supplements that with his love and his mercy, and then he teaches us how to be able to walk by his spirit rather than by my flesh. Let's pray together. Jesus, as I, I think about fullness, out of his, your fullness, we've all received even grace upon grace. And as to many as received him, that we gave power to become children of God. The becoming is what we're in right now. And I ask that you would continue to enlarge our capacity to take hold of these things, to utilize them, and to do together. Oh God, to be sons and daughters of the king and the kingdom. So we simply declare, come kingdom of God, be done will of God on earth, in us, in me, as it is in heaven. And would you teach us what it really looks like to walk by the Spirit, how to love one another authentically, not just with verbiage, but with action, how to be able to give up our comfortability so someone else can find their portion, to be willing to be uncomfortable to be able to walk in and by your spirit. And Lord, I'm just impressed right now for a moment just to pray for the, the tour with Rick and Cheryl that are in Israel right now. It's going to be hot over there tomorrow, really hot. And they may have opportunity to be offended with one another. Would you teach them to love each other, to care for each other, to be able to help each other and walk the thing out over there? And would you teach us the same thing? And Lord, if we've been offended or hurt or wounded, we need to go talk with somebody. We need to walk out some of the things. Would you give us the grace, Lord, to surrender our own heart first? 
that you would give us an anointing to be able to speak truth to one another, to be able to do it graciously and mercifully, and to be able to do it over an extended time frame so that we could walk together as a body of people full of the Spirit of God in love with Jesus and love with one another. Spirit of God, would you soul love, your love into this fellowship and would you grow it into your full intended purpose in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.